Welcome back to Sideline Exposure. I am your host, Mitchell Crossan, and this is Exposure 204 College Football Week 2 Recap. Voice is a little bit hoarse today. I just got a puppy literally yesterday. So he was crying all night, which was part of the part of the process, but a little sleep deprived. So if I sound different, it's probably because I didn't get any sleep last night. But enough wasting time. Let's go ahead and jump on in. A little recap of what happened week two, which was a crazy week. It was like college football was drunk or something but let's start with alabama at texas this game was hyped and not gonna lie i didn't buy into the hype i just refused to believe texas was back until they actually showed us that they were back because we've been hearing this damn near every year it feels like since the 2009 season but look i'll be honest texas i'm not gonna say they looked good they looked like they are improved but i think alabama also looks like they're not invincible Alabama which is what I thought they would be this year Texas was slinging it around early with Quinn Ewers the kids got an arm on him I know he overthrew some guys but he also connected on some deep balls and Texas looked like they were ready for it not necessarily ready to win but ready to compete and then Quinn goes down with that injury comes back you know his pads are off street clothes and then has a sling on later in the game so we'll see what to what extent that injury is, but I mean he looked pretty solid. Then of course you know you got Bijan Robinson. That offense could be pretty decent once you get guys that are healthy and you get them in a rhythm with Quinn Ewers. Ultimately, it always felt like Alabama was just going to grind this one out, and that's exactly what they did on that last drive, which led to that game-winning field goal. Ryan Watts transfer from Ohio State blitzed from the corner position, and then just completely whipped on that tackle which everybody was just all over Bryce Young what a what a play it's like yo that's just like a blatant missed tackle like okay applaud Bryce Young for you know 15 yard gain or whatever it was to get the first down and keep the chains moving but Ryan Watts had him and I'm not going to say Texas necessarily wins that game because of that sack but it definitely increases their chances and the only other thing I'm going to say about this win is look Ohio State beat Notre Dame last week in what was a top five matchup now we'll get into Notre Dame we will get there and I actually think we'll go there next but everybody was dogging Ohio State because everyone thought Notre Dame was overrated shouldn't have been ranked that high Ohio State didn't look invincible well Alabama finally plays a game on the road not a neutral site they go to Texas who's unranked and they struggle and barely escape with a win so let's keep the same energy for both teams if you wanted to say well i mean alabama's the one team where you know they get an exception i understand that because they've dominated football for the last decade plus but if you're gonna dog or rip on ohio state for their what you think is a subpar performance against a what i don't know bad we don't even know what notre dame is yet we don't even know what texas is yet especially with quinn yours being out so let's wait and see Moving on to Marshall at Notre Dame. Wow, complete L for the Fighting Irish. Now, look, here's the thing with Marcus Freeman and this Notre Dame football program. Notre Dame was stuck with Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly's a good coach. Now, right, Brian Kelly's 1-1 one one at LSU. He's not going to be the savior that some people thought he would be. You know, part of it is welcome to the SEC. But when you look at Notre Dame, which a lot of people believe to be the biggest and best brand in college football and one of the winningest programs in college football history they were stuck with brian kelly 
they would go on and have great regular seasons win, you know, 10, 11, 12 games, maybe go undefeated in the regular season, whatever. And then they would make it to the college football playoff, BCS national championship, or play like a big time program like Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl or whatever. And they would lose and not only lose, but a lot of the time they get blown out, especially against Alabama in what was it? The 2011 or 2012 BCS national championship. And then their college football playoff appearances, really not much of a fight at all. So Notre Dame, right? A program that is built on their tradition and their history. And they value that so much. Not that Brian Kelly was losing because of the quote unquote old ways, but they needed new energy and new life. So it was 100% the right move, and it still is in hindsight, to have Marcus Freeman as your head coach. He's young. He's a first-time head coach. He was their defensive coordinator last year. Give him some time to build up this program. Not everyone is an Urban Meyer or Nick Saban that can just come into a program and turn it around immediately on a dime. Give him a couple seasons to build up Notre Dame, especially if they're able to recruit the way that we're seeing them recruit top five, top 10, even at times they have the number one class in the country for 2023. He's a player's coach. He's young. He's still getting his feet underneath him as a head coach. Notre Dame will be good. It just might take them a couple seasons. Okay, let's move on to Appalachian State at Texas A&M, pulling off the dub 17-14. Look, Texas A&M, or as I've been saying this whole offseason, Texas 8-5, and because you look at their last, whatever, eight years, they go eight and five damn near every year. And they, they what? They won eight or nine games last year, including the win over Alabama. So look, Jimbo Fisher is a good coach. Are his best days as a head coach behind him? I say yes. He won a national championship with Florida State in 2013, which it's a hard thing to do, right? We always look at guys based off their rings and championships. It's hard to win multiple championships. But for everyone that's been high on AM this past offseason, because of their number one recruiting class in 2022, what I've been saying all along is that you cannot base your college football playoff prediction for AM this year based off of their number one recruiting class this year. Because those guys are freshmen, true freshmen. They're probably not going to play. Even if they play, are they really going to leave a lasting impact? That's going to help you beat Alabama, beat Clemson, Ohio State, whoever that they meet in the college football playoff. No, they won't. You're not going to have all these true freshmen come in and make this immediate impact. So I never understood the hype with Texas A&M. Now, if they hold that class together, could they be really good in two, three, four years, depending on how that class works itself out? Sure. But also, we got to keep an eye on this class because with NIL and now the the newer transfer rules, which allow every player to transfer one time and be eligible immediately without sitting out, you know, guys kind of have a free, you know, get out of jail free card, right? You can take the money, you can go to a program for the NIL offering. Now, you don't always want to base your college decision based off the money, but I'm sure some guys do that. And in the back of your head, you know that you have your get out of jail free card with the transfer portal. And you're like, you know what? Ultimately, if it doesn't work out, I'm not on the field. I'm not playing. I'll just transfer. I'll go to LSU, Ohio State, whatever, and pick right back up immediately. Until then, A&M isn't going to be everything that we think they are. Let's touch on some more games here. Washington State with the win over Wisconsin, 17-14. Great win for that program. Wisconsin, Wisconsin clearly still struggling to move the ball on offense, but defensively, 
fairly stout. They're never going to be the best defense in the country. I mean, statistically, they might be. But, you know, playing in the Big Ten doesn't always give you the best resume. Now, it is the second-best conference in football, right? But they're also in the Big Ten West, which is a much weaker division than the Big Ten East. I want to briefly go over a couple more before getting into Nebraska, which you know I have to rip into them. Tennessee with the win over Pitt. Pitt was ranked 17, 17th, I should say. That was a little high for Pitt. I Look, I understand that they had a great year, but they also lost the majority of their pieces from last season. So I never understood the hype with them being ranked that high. People are high on Tennessee. People were very high on Tennessee before the season. People are high on Tennessee now. They got it done in overtime, but still, only two weeks into the season. Let's give them some more time and see what they truly are. Kentucky over Florida. And Florida was ranked 12th, Kentucky with the 10-point win. And Kentucky had multiple, multiple special teams mishaps. They had like a punt or the snap for the punt went over the punter's head. Safety, missed a field goal. Uh, Just what an absolute mess special teams-wise for Kentucky. And Florida's defense looked physical and fast early on. But, you know, Levis and the team found a way to hang in there and pulled out a big win in the swamp. So Kentucky's probably going to be ranked in the top 10. AP poll once that's released. USC Stanford, USC 41, Stanford 28, whatever. I mean, USC is going to put up points, but (laughs) defensively, Lincoln Riley's teams never show up and consistently have issues. And Alex Grinch followed Lincoln Riley to USC, and I don't think he's the right man for the job. And just like it plagued Oklahoma when Lincoln Riley was there, you can have all these Heisman Trophy winners at quarterback, but if your defense cannot get you a stop, that's kind of a problem. Now, against a 3-9 and nine Stanford team from last year, whatever. You win by 13. Not a big deal. Just kind of win and move on. But when you need them the most, can that defense get you a stop on third down, you know, late third, early fourth quarter? Remains to be seen. Against a good team, I should say. Remains to be seen for USC. And the last game I got to touch on, Georgia Southern with the win over nebraska and in typical nebraska fashion they lose yet another one score game this time giving giving their fans hope with setting up for a field goal and this was to set them up for the tie and they could send it into ot but no they miss wide left and i think it was far i think it was like 52 yards and georgia southern gets it done at nebraska look so to all the nebraska fans that were coming after me all off season, they are extremely quiet right now. And after they lost to Northwestern, very, very quiet. Now they're nowhere to be seen, right? So everyone that told me, keep sleeping on Nebraska, bud, you do realize that they flipped their entire roster and coaching staff. None of that matters. None of that matters. While you still have Scott Frost as a head coach. And it got to the point where I feel bad for the guy. And I normally don't because he's just not a good football coach, at least not with Nebraska. It's bad. They cannot win a close game to save their life. They can't beat Georgia Southern at home. And it's not just the fact that it's Georgia Southern at home, but it's another close game, and that's another loss. Whenever Nebraska's in a close game, they're going to lose. Now, just watch, which would be in crazy, typical Nebraska fashion. They'll play Oklahoma really, really close. And hell, I wouldn't be surprised if they somehow beat Oklahoma. They're 2-2. Two two. You, you lose to Georgia Southern. You beat Oklahoma. I don't think they're actually going to beat Oklahoma. But watch that be another close game. 
Here's the thing, guys. Ultimately, Nebraska needs to blow this thing up, fire Scott Frost, and start over. And to all the Nebraska fans that were talking crap to me on my social media videos in the comment section, you guys are awfully quiet, but I miss you guys, so come back out. We were having fun. That will conclude this week's episode of SE. You can follow us on our social medias at Sideline Exposure on TikTok and Instagram and at Sideline Expose on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and as always, go Bucks.